0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Tasmania Devil Airways with old Taz Taylor. How How are are? you doing? Right. How are you, my friend?
2: Doing all right. Another Tuesday night. Know what that means. Know
1: what that means? Yeah, buddy. Time to talk about some
2: That's right. Washington Glenn actually delivered this year. Huh? Watkins Glen actually delivered this year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't
0: know. New car? Or...
1: I don't know. It was definitely uh, one of the more exciting road courses. I've seen a couple of snoozers uh, this season. Say,
2: this is This is the most exciting road course race I've seen in quite a while. And... And I mean exciting from start to finish. It wasn't, oh, it got good for the beginning laps, and then who cares about the middle? And then it got good at the end. It was literally exciting because, I mean, when we literally uh, discussed this, I literally had a bunch of notes that happened throughout the race. There was multiple different leaders. There's different cars. We were never not used to seeing a front. Um I mean nobody's really truly dominated the race.
1: Right. Yeah, it was it was a cascade of drivers that uh we seen Michael McDowell uh with the lead for a little while. Um if it had stayed wet, I, I bet you uh McDowell would have had a lot stronger finish. Yeah, McDowell uh, uh
2: Frisco Uh, Joey Mm -hmm. Hand was in the top five At one point during the race Uh, Jamie Raikkonen Stayed consistently top ten before he Wrecked out Uh, Did he wreck out or was he Chastain (laughs) Uh, I don't know who was really Truly at fault or Well I mean Chastain was kind of In the middle of it but like I said It's hard to to me it was hard to really Pinpoint the actual True fault
1: Yeah. It just seems like every 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 weekend it's it's something and Chastain's right there in the middle of it. Um, it's Kimmy man. Holy heck, dude. Just think about what that guy can do for the sport outside of the United States. I mean and then he was running well as you know, um he had a he was in better equipment uh than anybody else. But Joey Hand, of course, broke in the top five, um, even Rockefeller was in the 77 he was up in the top 10 a, a couple of times um I, I would like to discuss later on uh, the ramifications that uh that that this may have on the sport um i don't i'm not sure are we uh is is anybody else coming on is it just me and you um
2: as far as I know of, it's just the two of us. I don't know about Miss Lee hopping on.
1: Okay, I'm going to invite Michael on if he wants to come on uh, and talk uh, talk to, this, to these subjects with us. But um, I definitely, uh, you know, I do want to talk about the ramifications and, and the possibilities that we could see – uh, with with these drivers from outside of NASCAR coming in, I had I had a lot of excitement. Look, I you know that something big happened when like every other article you were reading on NASCAR Twitter was something about Kimmy, and uh, that that's a uh, there was two storylines that was taken from this weekend. One, Kyle Larson supposedly ran ran Chase Elliott dirty, and uh, number two was kimmy Raikkonen and, and how competitive he was uh stepping into a nascar of course you know look this is this is their bread and butter they, they're they know how to race on road courses uh marcus ambrose was fast from the beginning on a road course some of the you know road course ringers that we've seen in the past they uh they 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 were you know road course ringers for a reason because they they knew how to uh how to get the most out of the car now that this is a type of car that they're uh that they going to have some kind of similarity similarity to it's unreal like kimmy went from never even you know racing around anybody to rubbing fenders in nascar i the guy had to have been having a blast
2: oh yeah he um i mean i think what you showed us uh here earlier was that he Or no, that was Jacques Villeneuve, but um, he had to have had fun in that car. He literally said in an interview after he wrecked out that it, it was good fun. Um, and then since him um, since him racing in it, you now have guys like Marcus Erickson uh, that wants to get in with the Project 21 deal. Uh, Jacques Villeneuve has even said that um, this is the most fun he's had racing since joining NASCAR, so maybe some of these uh That, that was outsiders. a big time. Yeah. Well, yeah, but the point I'm getting is that these outsiders that have never raced NASCAR before that are now getting, the, uh, getting a chance to or giving it a shot or kind of looking at just like, oh, shoot, this is a lot more fun than I thought it would be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. And that, that in itself is propelling NASCAR on a world level. You know, I would love to sit here and bring names to the table that I'd like to see given an opportunity. One of them. I, I mean, I, 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 we've talked about him many times before. The Australian driver, uh, what's his name, Scott uh, Scott McLaughlin. I'd yep. love to see him with an opportunity uh, to race. Uh, uh, and he and he drives for Penske in the IndyCar, so we very well could see that.
2: Very well, and. Uh, said, there's been, I think we're now seeing the broader side of NASCAR, not only an audience, but also uh, shoot, also for the driver end of it too. And unfortunately, it's coming through road courses that, I mean, yeah, we have like, what, eight or nine of these races or whatever, but which I think is a little excessive, but in a way, it's kind of helping broaden uh, the, the NASCAR world. I just wish that we can broaden the NASCAR world more to where NASCAR primary, like NASCAR in the U.S. is more focused on, which is the oval type uh, racing or whatever.
1: Right. Well, and NASCAR now races a quarter of their races uh, on a road course.
2: But Uh, but you add in. So the one thing that served with the Watkins Glen weekend was on Sunday was the whole rain deal. And Mm -hmm. people were mad that the race was not happening under raining conditions. But. Can you blame NASCAR for as bad of rain conditions as it was to not race? I mean, it looked like they were trying to learn They learned something from Coda last
1: year. Of course, Taz. There, there's an issue with visibility. As much as you want to race in the rain, look, if we're able to put the cars out there just without having to drive the track, I think we won, right, Taz? I mean, that's better than what we can normally get. Um, We've learned our lesson with these downpours. Visibility is at a zero, and you wind up with a bunch of junk race cars. Kudos to NASCAR for figuring that out and holding back the start. I was one of those at the moment. was like, hey, what the hell? We got rain tires. Why not? But as we sat back and evaluated things and watched, I think we all kind of got a better understanding of what was going on. And if we had started the race out and jumped a few race cars, uh, we would have a, we would have definitely had a different race on our hands. And so, definitely. you know, had that storm come, had that storm come in the middle of a race, I probably would have been better to press on. Uh, but being that it was the beginning and the start of the race. I feel like after evaluation, as I said, Taz, I mean, I was critical of it myself. I was like, man, you know, it's stupid, man. We're going to have race tires. We're not going to go racing in the rain. But then you really think back on the visibility issues and all. It's not been the rain tire that hasn't held up. It's the visibility issues and being the start of the race. You just don't want to wind up with a, you know, what would we have had today if Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott had both wrecked? In the first laps of the race, right? I mean, we wouldn't have even had a, a major topic, right? I mean, if if we can consider uh, chopping a teammate's uh, front nose up is a uh, is uh is a big storyline. Considering at least we're not in Formula One, where team orders are given so that that doesn't happen, right? I mean, there's clearly not team orders in NASCAR. I think we can agree with that, right, Tess?
2: Yeah, the, I mean. We've known that there's been this teammate rivalry from the start. Um, even before Larson hopped in the Hendrick car and started racing, we've known it was there. And this should not be as a huge storyline as before because, I mean, yes, they're both great drivers. They're both champions. They they've both have proven and deserve to be in the top ride that they're in right now. But we all knew that uh, once Johnson stepped away, Chase Elliott was the number one guy. But Hendricks saw Larson as, well, Larson can help me bring wins and championships easily just by the talent that he is. So we're going to do, we're going to bring him in, and that automatically set up a teammated rivalry. All written in the stars. And when Larson was the face of Hendrick last year, it threw a lot of curveballs.
1: Yeah, it definitely hurt uh Chase Elliott's feelings, but but like this is something we've seen before at Hendrick Motorsports, right? I mean look at what Jimmy Johnson did to Jeff Gordon's career. It didn't necessarily help it.
2: It's a little it I literally believe that we are seeing the modern day chief, uh, Jeff Gordon, jimmy Johnson deal. Yeah. What do you
1: Trying think? To think, what, do you think uh, what do you think? What do you think Hendricks said to Chase at that point in time when you knew that Chase Elliott was crybaby? I mean, what we know that Chase Elliott was crybaby. but what did Hendricks say? How did he defuse that situation? Where did he go with this? Because it's kind of like the Yankees, right? The Yankees wear pinstripes. That's what makes them awesome. They wear pinstripes. They are the best. They are the champions. It doesn't matter if you're number 25 on the roster. You are on a roster of the Yankees, which makes you a higher authority, a higher figure. So how does does Rick sell that to his drivers saying, look, you may be the fourth driver at Hendrick. But you are the fourth driver at Hendrick. So how do you keep your how do you keep your other drivers from bellyaching about the success of a certain teammate? That's that's where I think the the the, the I think, part that Hendrick got figured out. I think that's it. Like he's figured out how and yet, to Hendrick
2: I think Henry Earnhardt
1: and Johnson on his same team and Casey Kane too, Taz. It's it, tell me the secret, please.
2: He's I think he sees that he knows he has the driver talent and he knows these drivers are gonna butt heads at times because they have the same driver mentality and capabilities. And that's why he signs them when they're ready to be essentially like, in their prime where they're going to give you the wins and the championships at the times you want them and need them. Mm-hmm. So, and usually with Hendrick, he keeps his drivers on a long-term mm-hmm. basis. So, there's those factors, yeah, if you're too. So, he looks at... So He's got it. So I think what Hendrick has going on is that instead of focusing more on individual drivers, he's got to focus on the team aspect. And he, he's like, listen, look, I understand that you guys are have the same competitive vibe and same story paths or whatever the case could be. But you guys have to also realize that not only do you represent yourself, you're also representing us as a team.
1: Yes, as a, as a team, you, you have mean, to be well, happy. This is what we are. Right. This is this is a team win, right? And that's that's what that's what we have to remember here. You can't you can't put yourself above the team. Like that's that's what Mr. Hendrick wants. He wants to he wants to win. And whether it's his first driver or his fourth driver, he's not going to be mad as long as he's in victory lane, correct?
2: Exactly. And um, if you look at, um, if you look at the Xfinity series too, where Larson drove for Dale Junior, Dale Junior as the owner was like, "Cool a car, cool. One of my cars went to victory lane. I'm leaving the booth so I can get into victory lane and get photos." Like I'm sure he does that every single week, regardless of who, who wins from his team, like Gregson, Allgaier, Sam Mayer, whoever it is.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and and we've we've seen it. We're expecting it. Um, I know last year Kyle Larson literally hurt Chase Elliott's feelings. People were referring to Chase Elliott as the guy who wins road course races, and I'm not sure that he was ready for that. He proved this year I don't think he's got a single win in road. Does he have one win in road courses or no? Uh, I'm not sure. But I do know that him and Larson, both times Larson's won, he's had to go up against Chase Elliott to get it done. And um, Kyle Larson owes it to his team to give the best effort that he can. It was not Kyle Larson's fault that Chase Elliott chose the bottom line. He could have chose the top line, which would have been going into the corner. No, you got way the around. Light- He chose the the bottom line. line.
2: Kyle's on the bottom.
1: Oh, he chose...
2: Because Larson... I guess because when the announcers called it, they said Larson ran Chase off the track.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, I know uh, Elliot was to Larson's outside in the corner. 'Cause Larson yep. was on the inside and chopped the nose off of Chase Elliott. So but did he really? I mean, or did he just not just go into the corner like, Okay, I've got to hold back the pack, right? Did he have it in his mind, hey, my teammate is behind me or did he have it in his mind, hey, I've got to get this win? And which what what driver do you want driving for you? The guy that says, Oh, my teammate's behind me or the guy that says, I'm going for the win? the guy that says I'm going for the win
2: yeah I mean we talked about last week when we were doing uh, contenders or pretenders we said last week that Kyle Larson is obviously quite clearly not having um, the 2022 season that he was having last year and We've and we've also questioned um, not last week, but I believe the week before. Should we? Should Kyle Larson or any Kyle Larson fans be panicking or be worried about Kyle Larson? And honestly, no, because if we remember, because last year Larson prevailed when the pressure was on, because we saw him. In one round of the playoffs, when he was obviously favored um, the entire time, there was one round in the playoffs where um, we thought at one point he was going to be eliminated, and then when the pressure was on him, what did he do? He pushed through. Championship race at Phoenix. We didn't circle him as the guy to win, even though he was obviously the heavy favorite. Favorite. Yeah. And what happened towards the end of the race when the pressure was on? His crew, him and his crew uh, kept comms, and they lived under the pressure, and look where, what that got them. Kyle Larson went right. Chip Ganassi a couple of years ago. Uh, Larson was basically not one to look at, and he said, with you guys, I'm going further than what you think. And he got as far as a round of eight. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and really was a, a top four contender. Uh, up until a couple of blown motors that were very, very unusual, very suspicious at the time, considering we at, we didn't see very many motors, very many mechanical failures, and then all of a sudden, Kyle Larson was hot on fire uh, in a chase format, and all of a sudden, the Hendrick motors that they were getting uh, were, were, were exploding. So, um, you know... That's uh, that's what happens when you're buying your your uh, equipment instead of uh, building it your own, and that's that's exactly why Kyle Larson is with Hendrick, and that's exactly what I said many years ago when I prophesized that Kyle Larson would be at Hendrick because Hendrick would sell it to him and say, hey, you're doing great over there at Chip Ganassi, but you want to win championships, you got to come race with me. So, you know, and I think that that's uh, exactly what they proved last year. Now, what's been going on this year? Is, you know, Chase Elliott's obviously been the better driver at Hendrick Motorsports. Maybe that lit a fire under his hearse. Or just maybe uh, Hendrick said, okay, I put everything into Larson last year. Now we've got to get Chase his turn. So, how he's able to balance uh, three superstars, four superstars in his organization. I'm just really not ready to call William Byron nor Alex Bowman superstars. Uh, Alex Bowman definitely has more wins seems like William Byron is more popular. Uh we're 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 always talking about K- Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott. So those are the two definite superstars right now in Hendrick Motorsports and I think that uh you know we've seen this before with the Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon versus Dale Junior and Casey Kane or you know, um and and things to similar nature. Uh but um you know, that's where we that's where we stand uh, over in the Hendrick organization, I, I, I'm just really wondering what happened on the Monday meetings and how that was uh, how that was handled uh, within the organization. If it's because obviously Chase come on and was like, "I don't want to talk about it. It's good, great, good for good for Hendrick Motorsports." And Kyle Larson was very apologetic, but without uh, he was he was apologetic without apologizing, I guess. You know, because you have to do what you have to do for your team. Uh, but if this is going to set themselves up for uh, racing each other harder in the chase, or maybe retaliating on each other, the the only ones that can benefit from this taz are the fans.
2: Oh, definitely, they're gonna they're gonna love this. But I think Hendrick probably sat them down too and said, "Hey, look, listen." we can build momentum toward the playoffs, which is going to help us in the long run. But we all have to sit here and think about if we're going to, you know, be, if we're all going to have giant disputes, instead of thinking things more as a team, then we're going to hurt not only yourself, but ourselves as well when it comes to playoffs. And we're not going to bring Chevy. We're not going to help bring Chevy. And we're not going to bring Hendricks a championship which is what we we all as an as an organization are trying to do is win a championship obviously on tv it doesn't look like it's more, much of a team sport but when you sit down and look at it it pretty much is
1: yeah yeah most definitely it's it's the resources as well um you know uh that that organization can handle those types of resources being put into two Uh, high-caliber drivers. We expect the same thing from the Penske's organization. We expect that uh, from JDR as well. Um, A lot of focus has been on the Chevrolet Camp, but uh, it seems to me that Ford and uh, Ford's done a little bit of catching up. We've seen Michael McDowell, uh, who I believe just stretched out his talent, racing for uh, the lead and and, and putting down some laps. We've seen uh, a good uh, turnout by Todd Gilliam before I believe a broken rear end happened. Um, uh, yeah, the like, I, think like the be... I think it was like the
2: transaxle. I think it was like the transaxle that broke, which of course the transaxle trans axle plays a huge part in the car because basically if you don't have that, you don't have a car.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's the main. That's basically the main. Uh, it's the drive shaft, so to speak of the race car, so without it, you can't, uh you can't go anywhere, but, um yeah, man, it's been, uh it's been a heck of a time, so how about Rick Ware racing, um, did you hear about the piece of tungsten that come out of the car and darn near killed, uh, killed a photographer or two? Oh,
2: no, I didn't hear about that one.
1: Yeah, well, it, I shared the article. You can go and read it. Uh, Rick Ware racing team penalized at Watkins Glen. Uh, crew chief Billy Plant and car chief Jamie Edwards and engineer Stephen Gray were suspended for four Cup Series races because a piece of ballast came off their number 51 car driven by Cody Ware during practice at the Glen. Ballast coming off a of car is considered a safety infraction. Um, so, um, basically, they're, it's a pretty big fine and stuff. They, the last thing they need is lead coming off these cars. Lead is very heavy. It, it can destroy race cars. It can hurt people really bad. And so, that's kind of one of the biggest no-nos in the world, um, having a, a ballast come loose or uh, a piece of lead, which is the same thing. But um, so, the, the TV numbers this week, Taz, TV numbers were up. Uh, do you think that that had a lot to do with all the international drivers that we had in the field, or I mean, basically the chase is basically already decided. We're we're down to two spots or one spot now. We were down to two spots coming to this race, but the but the event was up seventeen point one percent. Where? What was what? What do you believe created that uh, that that seventeen percent more interest into this race? I, be, I
2: believe, um, I believe it's three things here. One is got to be the 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 broadened drivers that is there that were there racing. Uh, what was it like? Eight or nine different nationalities. Um, racing at Watkins Lens. I think that had to do it. And you brought in some of the bigger names outside of General Nascar into this race. So I believe that brought viewership in a way. Um The other one I'm thinking is the race product itself. And then the third one is also the playoff implications. Right. Because people were trying to yeah. figure out, are we going to get, are we going to have a possibility of more than, are we going to have that sixteenth different winner, where Daytona is going to set us up for maybe seventeen? I mean, this has been one heck of a wild regular season, and I, and if I remember right, uh, I believe NASCAR said this is the most, uh, this is the most, this is the most we've had of winners during the regular season, since the since the playoffs have started
1: you know it's so much more refreshing this time taz to have a car that i think we're all believing in if you'll remember the car of tomorrow that was not a well-perceived car from the start um and and it was at a time where nascar needed the excitement of a new to help sell the product because nascar had gotten kind of vanilla kind of corporatized And people were no longer – there were drivers like Casey Kane and Matt Kenseth who just had zero personality and brought zero interest to the reasons why we love these badasses at 200 miles an hour. Um, You know, it's a a product of uh, the the race car that we're putting out is building excitement week in, week out, right? Uh, You just don't know, like, our cautions are up, our mechanical failures – all of this is creating excitement. We have international drivers. Um, I, I feel like all of that is is uh the recipe for where we're getting a ratings increase week in, week out. You know, I know some weeks aren't probably as big as others, but this is a sold out race in New York, right? I mean this is this is the the epic center of of uh where you know NASCAR meets the, the common New Yorker, right? Taz, I mean this race has sold yeah. out for seven straight years. So uh, it's a popular race amongst the people, but uh, you just don't expect, being that so many road courses, we've had so many road course races this year, Why? what made this one that much more popular? And, and it's just got to be a recipe of all that we've had going on throughout this season. Like I said, the the, the last car that was brought, it was a complete failure. The fans hated it. The drivers hated it. We're just not getting that reception from this car. Yeah, there's a few kinks and there's a few things that are wrong with it, you know, and whatnot. But all in all, we've had a lot better. We've had a lot close, a lot more close races this year. We've had diversity. Who would have ever thought rolling into the 26th race of the season? We would have had 15 different winners and possibly 16 different winners uh, coming up. Uh, at daytona i mean that's a wild card anything could happen right
2: oh i know i i never would have pinpointed this many winners i probably would have pinpointed about 12 because i think that's where we were right or we were sitting know sitting on around this time last year i believe it was but i never would have pictured at a time where we're talking for many weeks that there could be more than 16 different winners for the regular season
1: yeah, I mean, we could have said 16 different winners in the whole season because we still have 11 more races to go. But who would have ever believed we would be at that number uh, going into the chase? I, you know, it I was it was kicked around. And it may have a hole. We may have a hole in the chase if by chance we went over 16 winners. Uh, it would change the complexity of what we believe uh, got you into the playoffs. and. That in itself at the beginning of the year, but next year it could really change because people were we're not going to trust so well that, uh, we, you know, a win and you're in. You might can win Daytona, and that doesn't necessarily mean now that you're in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So uh, we're definitely going to have to be very careful before we say things that uh, may or may not uh, come true because this year we were very close, and we could still hit that mark. Uh, with this uh, wild card race at Daytona, um, before we move into our hot topic segment, of course we want to talk about the Xfinity race real quick. And, and AJ Allmendinger, back to back runner up finishes, man. I mean, talk about Actually, a guy who drives the hell out should, of the race car. Should
2: have to say, you want to mention that? Should also say Kyle Larson, Allmendinger, one two finishes back to back. Yeah, that's not yeah enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, A.J. has to feel like he was one guy away from uh, just being the, you know, having a storybook weekend. Um, but uh, so and I guess the – go ahead. And I want to mention with the
2: Xfinity race, Allmendinger was – yeah, he was a front runner, but he wasn't one that was contending really for the lead, I mean, in either race, really. But in the Xfinity race, you had basically – Larson versus Byron. Um oh and Ty Gibbs. So basically three drivers are basically dominating the show for the Xfinity race. Almondinger just happened yeah. to be right place, right time when everything was all said and done. For the most part. I mean, he was yes, he was running up front, which was expected um in both races, but he just hit but he got two second place finishes Basically based upon right place, right time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it takes uh it takes the, the whole day and everything falling into place to get you one of those kind of finishes and in and the highest chalons of racing, of course. I don't want to take anything away from A J, um, with his back to back runner up finishes. Um right. but of course we can't get there without Talking about the William Byron Ty Gibbs incident right Because those were the two guys who were really The second of the show And and, and it could have been a William Byron win Or it could have been a Ty Gibbs win We'll never know uh, Because unlike where Ty Gibbs Raced Kyle Larson clean In the last road course race We had this time It was like Ty just decided hey you know, um, William Byron you get no respect And next thing you know You got two drivers that are wrecking Um, it's amazing. One week I can say, man, this kid is so mature. He's knocking the wheels off. You know, he's just, he says all the right things. And then the next week he goes out there and uh, acts like he's Ross Chastain. So, I mean, I I, I don't know. It's like these two guys that we have coming up now, Ross Chastain and Ty Gibbs. they're bipolar. You know, they, they, they make you feel one way, and then they get out there and they do something completely opposite of what you think their character is and you got a big mess. Because, I mean, why do you go and Rick William Byron? Why do you do that? Well, what
2: did that yeah, – that what
1: brought that? That was, that
2: was strange because I didn't see anything happen that would have probably ticked Gibbs off to get Byron going. Or I don't know, but, I mean, there was still a good amount of laps for Gibbs to figure out a way to get around Byron, he'd have to take him out right there. But I mean, I guess you could say that's racing. But if I were Byron and going up against Gibbs, I'd be having a grudge. Yeah.
1: Especially well, if Gibbs Byron is runs, uh, making about better. Especially. If, I do it. Especially
2: if Byron runs another Xfinity race and goes up against Gibbs.
1: Because, obviously, in the cup level,
2: Gibbs is is going to have Daytona, and Byron's not going to play the grudge card um, in a cup race where if Chevy needs to work together, Chevy's got to focus on that.
1: Yeah. Gibbs is making about as many friends as 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 Rochelle. But uh, Gibbs is now looking like he is going to be the driver of the 18 machine. We're gonna kick off hot topics with the hottest topic on race chat live for the last three months. I can say that I believe we've been talking about this potential
0: free agent
1: move. I guess since May, maybe, maybe, maybe April. Um, at the beginning of that time, I, I just don't know who really, in their right mind, believed that we would be where we are today. In this in this topic realm of do I stay or do I go, uh, I don't think that that's a question anymore. As we've gotten into the final weeks of August, most major plans for uh, NASCAR drivers are settled well before now. Um, so we know that uh, things have got to be getting close to – to to deal with Kyle Bush, but most reports that I'm hearing, uh, Taz, is that he's not going to be back with Joe Gibbs. Are we at that point now where we can pretty much confirm that Kyle Bush will no longer be uh, a Joe Gibbs driver?
2: Yeah, and of course, this is going to lead to speculations of who's going to get the 18 car. Um, Obviously, the money and funding leads towards Ty Gibbs. But if you ask me talent-wise, you've got to go somewhere down in the Toyota cam or somehow pick up a free agent. And to me, the one driver that makes sense out of this deal would either be A, Ryan Priest, but I wouldn't see Priest doing that because Ford's got him Ford has him, and they're waiting for the right opportunity to put him in uh, a competitive ride and give him a chance to actually, you know, set himself up for a good good and great career. Or you go down in your Toyota cam and look at John Hunter Nemechek, who's got cup experience, where and also if you put him in top equipment, he's going to come out swinging and compete right out of the bat.
1: Yeah, uh, so I, I mean, I, I don't know how you put John Hunter Nemechek above the accomplishments that Ty Gibbs uh, has has done. So you look at what John Hunter Nemechek has accomplished in the truck series and week in, week out his competition level versus week in, week out where Ty Gibbs is and what he's able to accomplish. It, you know, you you would have to think that John Hunter's getting the best equipment that he can get that's available in the truck series. And you know that Ty Gibbs is getting the best equipment available in the Xfinity series. Hands down, Ty Gibbs over exceeds all those expectations. But we've seen so many times before, we know the wall that we're going to hit, right? And that's the same wall that we've seen Joey Logano hit. That's the same wall that uh, we've watched William Byron hit. That's the same wall that we've seen Alex Bowman hit. And it's that process of going from a a talented young driver to a championship contender. And it's not something that happens overnight in the cup level most of the time, though there are exceptions. Jimmy Johnson – You know, we have to accept it. That was an exception uh, to talent. Tony Stewart and what he was able to accomplish his rookie year, that was an exception. Can Ty Gibbs be put into that type of level driver? I I, I can't sit here and tell you no, Taz. I I think if you put Ty Gibbs in that 18 car next year, you're looking at a potential championship contender. Um, I I just, if you put anybody else in the car, I I just, I I, I mean, I don't think that there's enough available talent to fill that seat other than Ty Gibbs for what he showed us already the last two seasons. Um, You know, without a doubt, Coach Gibbs is heading in the right direction by putting this talented young man in the 18, but are we going to have to wait a couple of years to see and watch his talent uh, grow and, and fulfill what we think the 18 team should be capable of doing. Uh, I, I, that's the question that's going to be, you know, left to ask. Even bigger fish to fry, where does this, where does this put Kyle Busch? Um I've heard, you know, Ford rumors. I've heard Chevrolet rumors, um, but the, for the biggest talk they everybody believes that it's colleague Grayson that's uh that's gonna take the take the driver we know is Kyle Freaking Bush and put them in one of the race cars. Um I think that's about as shocking as Brett Keselowski going into R F K. Well as we talked
2: about earlier There's only two teams that make sense out of the Chevy camp for Kyle Bush to go. People are are throwing Hendrick in because they're saying they can cut Alex Bowman like they did with Casey Kane out of his contract and put Kyle Bush in. But here's where I say that's not going to happen is because Junior handpicked Bowman to go with Hendrick. And as long as juniors yeah. with is aligning himself with Hendrick, Bowman's not going anywhere, to be quite honest. Yeah. And unless yeah. Bowman, um, and unless Bowman's performances get out of to Hendrick's expectations, then, like I said, Bowman's not going anywhere. That's literally the only way Bowman's going to get out of Hendrick is if Bowman doesn't have enough sponsorship to be in a Hendrick car, or he doesn't have Hendrick. Uh, expectations for performance-wise. So, the only two teams Chevy-wise that Kyle Busch is going to be able to go is um, Trackhouse or College. And Trackhouse would be a good one because they have a third card. That they're calling Project 91. So you throw Kyle Busch in that and make that car full time. All now, yes, you want to expand while you're feeling hot at the moment, but I don't want to see track house fun turn into. And I hate to use this as an example, and it's probably not the greatest example, but I would hate to see them be like brickware racing, where you just expand your shop, but you're not bringing the performances in behind you either. So I would, so if I were track house, I would say build upon your success with the baseline that you have. Keep going with your foundation. And then when you're, then when you have the po- get to the point where you want to expand, while still being fully competitive, that's when I would expand. I don't want to see them expand too early and feel rushed about it. Now, this is where I believe colleague needs to really nail on getting Kyle Busch. They already have a second full time car, and obviously right now it's fielded by. Uh, Different drivers like AJ, Tria. Gregson. Um, I'm sure there's a couple, Hamrick. one or two others I'm missing. but
1: Daniel Hemrick.
2: Yep, Daniel Hemrick. And Tallinn needs that second car for Kyle Busch. And if Tallinn wants to be successful in the cup level, because we already know they're successful in the Xfinity level, they have it. It's there. But what needs – they if they want to propel themselves in the cup level, they need a driver like Kyle Busch. They have the – Kyle Busch will bring some kind of funding behind him, but Colleague's going to finish off the funding because they have it there already for themselves. It's, so the package is there. Colleague just needs to go after Kyle Busch to help not only the team go over – but also help some of the talent that is there, but they're not ready to fully develop or, or are struggling to develop themselves. Like Justin Haley, for instance, he, he's got the cup experience, but he needs somebody to help propel him over. And these part-time drivers that cycle around in that second, second car are not helping him any at all. So if they get a veteran driver in Kyle Bush, it's going to go there. Now there's another side to this. College will help in a way um, in the lower levels as well because wherever Kyle's going, KBM is going. And we've all seen this deal with Gibbs and I remember somebody pinpointing this on earlier and I should have Caught it and sent it uh, with the chat. We watched Tony Stewart with Gibbs, become a team owner, and now he's got a successful powerhouse team with Denny Hamlin with Joe Gibbs. He's now he he's now a team owner. His team is slowly on the rise. So could we see Kyle Busch be on that trend?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. That that is, um, that's I, I I feel like some of the similarities that we've seen where a driver goes from a big organization and then they they take their success to a smaller organization to help bring it along. We we've only seen that successful if really with with Tony Stewart. I mean, before then, I think any of us would have believed that. Uh, you know, I, I feel like Tony was making a huge mistake, right? Like you're going to Haas Racing, there where their former drivers were Jeff Green and Tony Raines. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. wasn't There wasn't, uh, there wasn't uh, you know that that they, it, it wasn't it wasn't very much eye candy at Haas Racing when Tony Stewart bought into it. So you, you know, in RFK, like Brad, it's not been it's not worked out that well. Uh, you know we're seeing a little bit of difference there in um, competition, but we're not seeing wins yet. If Kyle Busch goes to colleague racing, I hope that they whatever crew chief they hire for him, I, I hope they understand like that guy's probably not going to make it the first two months if their junk is, if, if 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 they put Kyle Busch in some junk because Kyle Busch is going to eat that team alive knowing that he is not running and it's going to make him miss those Gibbs machines a lot, but he would probably race for free if he winds up racing somebody else's junk. And I think that that will be the make or break sign of what we see with Kyle Busch and how, because he's not buying into ownership, right? Like if he, if he spends 10 races in this car at colleague Grayson, and it's junk and he knows that like, this is, this is going to be a miserable three years uh, riding around with a team that's, you know, got to figure out how to win. Uh, and he's not in any ownership capabilities or anything like that. I mean, after 10 races, I could see Kyle Bush throwing the towel in and saying, hey, screw this. I'm done, you know. Um, I'm going to retire. Far ride right around and show some junk. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a sketchy move. One to Colleague Ray said, we've seen Track House, okay? And Track House has been like the exception to the rule. Like most of the time when new owners come into NASCAR, they're not very successful. I have said from the word go, like, yes, Ross Chastain has been like some eye candy this year. Everybody's been watching him and, you know, oh, so excited about him. But in reality, I've not seen much out of the Track House organization that makes me believe they are a true powerhouse. Um. I think Eric Jones has had just as a, as an eventful uh season this year as as anybody has, and uh, i don't get a, I don't get amens to that, so um you know i I'm not sold completely on what Trackhouse was doing, but if I were trackhouse, I believe if I'm Justin Marks and I am the Mr. Silicon Valley guy of NASCAR, then I'm figuring out some way to make sure that Kyle Bush is on my race team. Because then I have a lineup of Kyle Busch, Ross Chastain, and Daniel Suarez. Like, I have one of the best lineups in racing. I just don't see where Cowley Grayson can help elevate Kyle Busch or where Kyle Busch can help elevate Cowley Grayson. But it's not as much of a risk to take to go to track cows because they're, they're already running decent cars. They're, they're, there's, there's some good equipment there.
2: Yeah, it's one of those hard-to-pinpoint deals because each team has its own good, viable way to go and has a good clause as to um, why they should pick up Kyle Bush. But, but we're going to run into these scenarios of what are they going to do in terms of helping Kyle um, develop talent And not only for their manufacturer, but maybe for their cup team, too. That's where they got to look at this. Because they have to understand where Kyle Busch goes means his truck team's coming with.
1: Yeah, that's true. But there again, if I'm a star ball player, I don't want to get traded to a team that's always going to lose, right? Because look at Michael Trout's career. Michael Trout's career has been wasted. In California, Albert Pujols' career was wasted in in California. Um, these These drivers that wind up going over, you know, thinking that the grass is greener. Look, do you really think that Ryan Newman would have left Penske if he didn't, if he, you know, if he'd have known that his career was going to take the turn that it turned, that that it went to the moment he left Penske? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a risk you take when you leave. Your organization that you that you've ran well at, and there's not a guarantee uh, that you're going to get it get it together when you go there. Sure, Kevin Harvick left Richard Childress and won championships. Sure, Tony Stewart started his own team and won championships. But but remember Bill Elliott. Remember he started his own team and what did he do? Fell flat on his face. Remember Daryl Walter? You know he started his own team and what did he do? He fell on his face. Right. Uh, he was no longer the driver. That that, that he was before Um, I think that when Kyle Bush goes to another team he's going to realize that the money probably was not worth driving somebody else's junk because if we're not talking about Kyle Bush going to a top tier team then we are hoping and praying that Kyle Bush can elevate one of these teams to a top tier status and I'm just not banking on that Taz I'm just not banking on it I think wait, I wait, think Kyle won we all have our scenarios and
2: uh our differences on the deal. I just I personally for me I can't pinpoint where he goes. I'm just seeing where the options are and where and if he goes that option, this is what's gonna possibly happen.
1: Yeah, how could you possibly choose colleague racing over Stuart Haas racing? How could you possibly do that, right? I just well, Unless you're well, getting some kind of ownership into it. Well, with Stuart Haas, we know Custer's coming back
2: because of money and everything else, blah blah blah. Almorola was speculating was speculated that him and Smithfield were returning. Then Bob Pockras over the weekend uh asked Almorola about this news and Almarola said there's been nothing finalized as to a me coming back and b I don't well what the deal is with Smith Smithfield, so that option is still there, but we're hearing speculations of, of Almarola staying with Smithfield and Suarez for one more year. where are I mean there's still so many speculations of everything, but we still don't know. What the true story is Until things are announced
1: So we're wondering About musical chairs over here at Stuart Haas But wasn't it a year Well two years ago When Stuart Said uh, that? Well it was two years ago That he was pursuing a Kyle Larson At a time where he Had a full stable then as well Like who was he going to ship out To put Kyle Larson in At Stuart Haas because at the time was it not? Uh, 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 I guess it was Boyer at the time, but Briscoe was already on the on the brinks of coming in, and then you had Custer, and you had Amarola, and you had Harvick. So wait a minute, who was who was who was who was Tony going to fire then to bring in Kyle Larson? Well, we already know, right? He was going to get rid of somebody if he was going to bring in Larson. Were they going to were they going to stop Chase Briscoe from coming up? Uh, And hold him in the wing I I think that was already a done deal For Briscoe to replace Boyer So Somewhere along the line Stewart was going to let somebody go To bring in a Kyle Larson Well you can't let the other Kyle go If you were going to get Kyle Larson And you got told no Then you've got to go get Kyle Busch Right I mean it's kind of like the Dale and Dale With Robert Yates Robert Yates couldn't go get Dale Earnhardt So he went and got Dale Jarrett um, it's the Kyle and Kyle show.
2: Basically, pretty much. So, like I said, there's plenty of, there's still options on the table. There's plenty of uh, speculations. There, there's a lot of things about, like, but of course, more rumors and speculations build about the more spicier things get on this deal. And we still don't, And once things are finalized and announced, we don't know what's going to happen. And Kyle Bush is Leaving it as when things are announced, things are announced. That's all you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, we've seen a little bit friendlier Kyle Bush the last couple of weeks um, laying out the map of how he wanted to end his career. Did that not sound like he was basically saying that he was adventuring out into team ownership? Did that not have as he mapped out how he was gonna race his last years in 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 NASCAR and he was gonna be in Nascar for at least another eight seasons and he was gonna put Brexton in a in a truck when he's sixteen and share the truck with him until he's eighteen. So we know at least for six more years, uh Bush wants to race full time, then possibly a part time schedule after that. Uh how is he going to control that destiny unless he's a team owner? Isn't this the reason why we've seen uh, some of these other guys, like Denny Hamlin, like Tony Stewart, uh, like Brad Keselowski, go off and start their own team endeavors to kind of have some kind of control or say when their career is over with? It Yeah.
2: So- you got you got your Stuart Haas argument. Where do you see anywhere else out of the Ford camp that Kyle Busch could go besides Stuart Haas?
1: Rick Ware racing.
2: Do you think you would take that much of a pay cut to go down that
1: route? I think it would be ownership. Right? I mean, what does Rick Ware need? Okay, so if now you're – If you're going to take that leap, why would you go to Colleague? if maybe you could if Rick Ware offered his organization, right? I mean somewhere or another you've got to say Kyle Bush wants to make Kyle Bush Motorsports the the uh elite you know, does he does he want Brexton driving for Joe Gibbs just so Joe Gibbs can put his son out when he wants to? Hell no. He, Kyle Bush wants Kyle wants Brexton to race for him. Of course. Just as Dillard wanted Dale Jr. to race for him,
2: so basically you're, again, seeing that, you're seeing that you're seeing that trend of where drivers um, that have left Gibbs to, well, not necessarily left Gibbs, but have gone through the Gibbs organization to own a team and find success out of it, and try to develop talent for your own team say the heck was good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, right. Um what could t- what what could get the most value out of Rick Ware's charter investment? What would get the most value? Building I mean, would the, with, would, the, would the alignment with
2: team with the the alignment with Stewart Haas? You still have Ryan Priest on the back burner. Right. I mean, now you've got plus, Kyle
1: Busch and, Priest and,
2: and plus, plus you have a truck team, and and trucks on the Ford side <clears throat> is like seeing a unicorn nowadays. Yeah, so it's if, Ford if Ford no longer to
1: really manufacturing support
2: if and if Ford wants more development that's the route they're going to have to go. They're going to have to get somewhere besides going through the Xfinity. They need to go a little bit lower. And obviously pull guys up from like Arca or um anywhere else that type of
1: deal. Yeah. I just think you take the laughing stock of of racing and that's Rick Ware Racing and Rick sits down with Kyle Bush and says, "Look, I will give you part of this organization if you'll help me become elite." And Kyle Bush could help make Rick Ware elite, and he would turn those those, you know, 3, 4, 10 million dollar investments into those charters, and by the end of by the end of it, Rick Ware Racing would be worth 100 million dollars or more, right? Uh, just by bringing on and allowing yeah, a guy like Kyle Bush to market your team. Um I, I still believe that the best uh partnership in the world would be Bush beer with uh with Kyle Bush, but that's a perfect life scenario. Um what uh what Kyle Bush could do with a Rickler racer or even a colleague racing the reason why I'm not so caught up in colleague colleague racing is because that guy he likes he likes to be the center of attention. So it would be hard for him to give up his part of his organization, and he has enough money with his with uh, with his company that he doesn't have to have a partnership, you know. Um, and 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 colleague has done great at coming in and and getting fast race cars and, and putting the right people in place. And uh, you know, you know uh, as outside of Trackhouse, they've been the second most successful new team brought into NASCAR. I, I would feel like, if you're not going to count Junior Motorsports uh, as one of them, but uh, you know, even still, um, what Colleague has done in the Xfinity Series uh, is it, not matched what they're doing in the Cup Series outside of AJ Allmendinger at Road Course racing. I mean, not one time this year have I felt like we were watching. A competitive team with the with the colleague drivers, um, you know, and, and there again, if there's a, a partnership or an ownership involved in it, uh, I could see where that would make sense. But Kyle Busch has got to be considering that. If he signs a two or three-year deal, then that could mean a whole other organization that he either has to build or go to in the next two or three years. That doesn't make any sense for a driver at his age. He can control his destiny, control his destiny by 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 bringing in by, by being an owner, by being um, a, a man that sits at the table and negotiates the sponsorships.
2: Yeah, I, guess I can see what you're saying, and I think the Rick Ware deal would make sense in terms of that, but it would just have to question if Kyle Busch would really want to expand uh, KBM in that deal, in which if you really want his son to get in the middle of it, then that's where it's going to have to come into play, but that's the only deal you got. Right.
1: Well, and we're forgetting about Spire. For some reason, everybody has forgotten about Spire. And the one thing that Spire is is they're also an agency, right? There's two agencies in NASCAR right now, and it's KHI and Spire Motorsports. Um, Both of these guys deal with uh, contract situations from drivers, uh, and some of the best drivers in in motorsports is signed by either Spire or KHI. The question is, who represents Kyle Bush here, right? Is Kyle Bush represented by KHI, or is he represented by Spire? Because if he's KHI, I could see, you know, uh, things swinging one way. But if he's if he's with Spire, then why are we not thinking about Spire Motorsports being uh, a, a potential hub for Kyle Bush to go to as well? Uh, considering that that's a team as well, sitting on two charters.
2: Only problem with Spire, I think, is that they're, and, and this is odd to say it, but they have, Um, am trying to think of the right word to say it. They have, <coughs> excuse me, they have, they have plenty of money, but where is it in the equipment? Is what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, because yeah, Corey LaJoy, there's no way Corey Lejoy should have ran as well for Atlanta, and then you don't see him in any other race. Yeah, there's there, there's something there's something that's not there with them, and I'm not sure what it is, but. Because they own Knoxville, don't they? The Knoxville uh raceway? Or at least they have part ownership in it?
1: Um, Knoxville as in uh <laughs> Iowa? Or Tennessee. Yeah. No, Iowa. No, Iowa Iowa is owned by uh that that's a that's a that's a city owned facility. That's a state fair facility. That's the Iowa oh, I fairgrounds it had something or to do Knoxville with Knoxville fairgrounds. fairgrounds. They they may. They they very well may. Uh, but Spire, I've always felt like they were kind of uh, uh, a there, – there's something behind the scenes there that, that, that doesn't make much sense. How they were able to acquire uh, the charters that they got and, and then the flip-flopping of certain charters that they were able to do and where that money comes from, and um, it, it's all been a – you know, it's really been a big question mark in, in my book, anyway, of how Spire has risen up to where they are. Uh, basically, uh, fielding a half-ass team most weeks. Like, I know that's what you're that's what you're getting at. Like, how can a car go from that fast to the next week somewhere running? You know, I mean, like he's one of only two drivers eliminated in the chase. Like, how can you be eliminated when it's a win and you're in? Well, you have to be outside the top thirty in points. So Corey LeJoy could win this weekend at at Daytona, and he's so far back in points that he wouldn't even he wouldn't even qualify for the chase. How about that?
2: Yeah, that really
1: speaks volumes there, and
2: we wonder what's going on in the Spire camp and what what are they giving LaJoy That LaJoy said, "Oh, this is better for me in the long run," and all this. not like what. There, dude. Like,
0: yeah.
2: We know you. We have. There's some potential in you, but if you're gonna run in
1: this kind of equipment, you ain't going very far. Right. Yeah, and it's gonna be the question of who's the worst organization, right? Who's who's in risk of losing that charter? Is it gonna be BJ McLeod? Is it gonna be Rick Ware Racing, or is it gonna be Spire Motorsports? Because somebody eventually is going to have to have a charter taken away just to prove that, look, NASCAR is serious about these teams becoming more competitive each year, not 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 bottom dwellers. And, and look, I, I think hands down Rick Ware Racing has made tremendous leaps and strides compared to where they were last year. And I believe Cody Ware has actually become a better race car driver this year. I mean, we have to give props to Cody Ware for becoming a better race car driver this year because, well, we haven't talked as much shit about him, <laughs> you know. Uh, there hasn't been uh, there hasn't been too many times that we've uh, had to cut up on Rick Ware, or Cody Ware this year. So, um, I, you know, and and then you look at where where we were at at Watkins Glen uh, with Joey Hand running up in the top five in a Rick Ware race car. I know you had to just be like, wow, man, look, look at that fifteen! Look at where it's sitting right now. You know that's. Uh, that's a tremendous stride from where they were last year. And I think a lot of it has to do with the uh with the Stuart Haas alliance.
2: Yeah, there there's something there with Rick Ware. They just need I think they just need more. And I'm not sure what that more is. I don't know if it's the the driver talent or if um if it's they need something more under the hood, money. Something's missing out of that out of that camp. They got the right they got the right tools in aligning themselves with Stuart Haas. I will give them credit there. They just need more of something.
1: Yep. Yep. Well I guess uh we've kind of just had a little chit chat back and forth here tonight. It doesn't look like our guest is going to just uh, show up. So, I guess uh, we'll make our picks here tonight, and we'll call it an early night. What do you say about it, Taz? Works for me. All righty. Well, I guess I get to pick first. Hmm. It's Daytona, man. It's Daytona. What a regular season we've had, right? What a season we've had already so far. And we're to think that we're just now getting down to the beef of it. This is going to be, uh, yeah, it, hands down, it's probably going to be the most competitive chase that we've ever seen. It's going to be hard to pick who's hot and who's not, right? Um, this is, a, you know, this is a leak. With, uh, with, with the wild card. Um, you, you kind of expect the unexpected Daytona. We have a Friday night race, finally, with Xfinity, Saturday night with Daytona. I'm so excited about that. Finally, my, my our racing season is over with, and uh, so I can sit at home and enjoy some racing and some racing on TV. And, uh, um, of course, we're going to kick it off with a Saturday night racing. And that means I'll have something to do on Sunday. I think uh, Formula One is going to come on again this weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. But uh, on the Xfinity side, you know... I I, I said, say goodbye, it's the farewell tour, Noah Gregson, right? Like, that guy, he really wants to get to Daytona. He really wants to get that win because uh, Junior Motorsports runs well at Daytona and Talladega. Noah Gregson uh, has to circle this one on his calendar. It would be really special uh, to get the win here as he's doing his farewell tour with Junior Motorsports. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Noah Gregson on the Cup side on the Cup side. Mm. Man, oh man, man, oh man. You know, and you always want to pick somebody outside the. Outside the realm, you know that number sixteen win. I don't know if that's the right way to go. Um, you know, Chase was fast. I think he picked up a win at Talladega, wasn't it? They um, got a win at Super I Speedway.
2: Don't remember if I was on the on the Cup side, but he's known to do. He's he's known to be up there for Super Speedway races. I do know. I, mean, he's I, go break I know lousy. he's got super speedway wins
1: in Xfinity. Yeah, I, I want to go with Bray Keselowski. I really do. Like that's that's uh. Yeah, I'm gonna go with. I want to go with BK.
2: All right. So, for my picks uh, for the Xfinity side, I'm going with a guy that usually. Per- normally really well in super speedway races um he won i believe he won daytona or came close to it uh to start the season and that's going to be austin hill for the cup side austin hill's a good pick for the cup side there's I've had a hard time trying to pick this one because if you look, I mean, there's the outside looking, and like you said, um, the drivers that are must-win scenarios that are great, they're good picks to go with. You're looking at Eric Amarola, Austin Dillon, uh, Bubba Wallace, Justin Haley, uh, Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse, Brad Keselowski, as yeah. you mentioned. Um those are good super speedway racers. Um, but something tells and I know I made the bold prediction of Blaney and Truex not making the cut. We're going to get a 16th different winner. But something's telling me I have that Ford's going to win it. And with that being said, they're going to push they're going to try to help push the guy, and Penske's going to be on this deal. They're going to push the guy who's currently above the cut line and needs that win to secure himself. And to heck with Toyota, something tells me, Ryan Blaney. So I'm going
1: to swing on him. So you're telling me that, that uh, Penske is going to be Team Penske, and they're, Joey Logano and Austin Sendrick have one duty and one duty only. And that's to make sure Ryan Blaney gets in the chase.
2: Yeah, uh, that's the only thing I can pinpoint. And Ford's going to work together on this. Something tells me Ford this weekend. Oh yeah, and oh, and yeah. the and who's the one guy who's who's got a good chance of being in the chase? Um, if the win is not there and whatnot, it's Ryan Blaney. He's going to look at it and say, "Look, Cindric, you're in. Uh, Logano, you're in." What's going to help Penske as an entire organization get all of us into the playoffs and better our odds of getting a championship for the organization? We've got to push him through to secure it. Yes, he's got the points, but you can't rely on those points at Daytona.
1: Right. Right. And if you can keep Blaney pushed up front, you got your second and third spot with Cindric and Logano if they can somehow stay together. Uh, Fun, you, can, you This is this is one of the few races where you can actually do this, and we've seen it for a lot of years. Dale Earnhardt go out and run up front. You know that's the Dale Earnhardt was like, if I can stay at least in third, then it, then I believe I won't be the wreck, and I can keep from wrecking the person in front of me, and that means if I can stay in between first and third. Uh, I have a chance to win it at the end of the day. And I think that that's something that a lot of the other guys never really put together. Like they didn't realize if you stay up front, the likelihood of being wrecked out at the end of the race is, uh, you know, you got a lot better chances, right? So staying up in that one to third position is, is critical. And that's where Ryan Blaney's really going to have to be uh, throughout the entire race Saturday night uh, to stay relevant for that final dash. On the last lap, where anything can go wrong, anything anything goes. We watch guys put somebody uh, to get that win. If Austin Dillon is running second to somebody and can get to his bumper, we know what Austin Dillon is doing to get, to get into the chase. Um, you know, we know what he did to win a Daytona 500. If not, exactly. we would be saying Eric. Uh, we would be saying Daytona 500 champion Eric Amarola.
2: Exactly. So, I'm going to try moving forward a little bit on picks here. Uh, Next in line is Jason. He's got Ty Gibbs on the Xfinity and Joey Logano in the cup side. Um, And Craig is up for his picks. He's got Ty Gibbs as well in Xfinity and William Byron on the cup side. um and for miss lee she's got aj almendinger on the xfinity side and she said she's going out on a limb and she says a 16th different winner is going to happen like i did and like basically you said chris but she but her pick is just like yours on the outside looking in and needs the win. She's picking Daytona 500 champion from a year ago, Michael McDowell.
1: Oh, wow. You know what, Miss Lee? That is so cool. Because I I, I believe Michael McDowell could get it done, too. Like, that guy, like, seriously. Over the last several years, I have become – more of a big Dowell fan because honestly, I believe the guy's got a lot of talent. He's he's been in subpar equipment his whole life, um, but he you know even this year like he's just been he's been there like he's given Front Row Motorsports even this year a better year than what they had the year before, right? Um, and how can you you know how can something be bigger than the Daytona 500? Well, having a consistent year of being you know solid top ten finishes and running in the top fifteen all year long. Michael McDowell's been able to do that, so uh kudos for that uh for that big pig look uh we do have uh michael Hoosman joined us in the studio up he he just dropped out my goodness, gracious, he just dropped out um, all right well hello.
2: Well, while we try to figure that out before anything else, we didn't hit our our favorite weekly segment, of Black Flag Checker Flag. There, Chris.
1: Oh, we sure didn't, did we? I guess you've got. To, I guess you got one in the wing. What do, what do you got?
2: Well, Black Flag is going towards, and
1: I hate to say this,
2: NASCAR fans. They. It, yes, we the cup. Yes, we can race in the rain, but you got to think safety aspects. We can't have a repeat of Coda from a year ago or two years ago, whenever that was. There, I mean, you can't have city water so bad that visibility becomes an issue. You can't have rain come down so bad that that visibility is still an issue. I mean, we can't have wrecked up torn up cars. The, yes, we can race in the rain, but there's an extent to it. And fans need to really see that. Instead of, you know, I mean, fans are going to be fans and there's going to be haters out there, but there's an ex- but you got to see things from a safety aspect because NASCAR, believe it or not, in in some ways have learned from their mistakes. And I believe that this past weekend they did, and fans were not too pleased about it. As for Checker flag, I give it to Watkins Glen in general. We got two entertaining races, and I believe Cup delivered more than the Xfinity did. And usually that's the other way around.
1: Right. Cool. All right. Um, my black flag, man. Oh man. I don't know. Um, what? What? I don't know. I don't know. I know my checker flag. I do. I do. I really even know my checker flag. My checker flag would probably go to. Um. Kimi Räikkönen, like because now having a talented driver such as Kimmy come in a race car, do pretty solid until he got wrecked out. He was kind of the experimental drug, you know, for the other drivers. Uh, Almost immediately, uh, other drivers were harping on, can they get a chance in the 91? Rock, paper, scissors, I think it was. Um, So, uh, big checker flag to Kimmy Raikkonen and what he, what type of spotlight he put on to NASCAR. And um, being a, and NASCAR is going to really benefit from the exposure that Kimmy got, and it's going to bring in some one of these other guys. And, you know, I mean, uh, well, who knows? Maybe one day we'll get to see Lewis Hamilton or something, a driver like that caliber uh, race a road course race or a stock car race. Remember, S1 gets a whole month off in the middle of the summer, uh, they take a summer break. So there is a, a, a possibility to see a crossover, uh, race, uh, black flag, um, chase Elliott, man, that guy just, he just burns me, you know, he flies around everywhere in his airplane. He's, he's, he's so snotty and so, uh, you know, snooty looking. It just makes me sick. Um, you, you could tell his body ex- expression that he was trying to tattletale to Jeff Gordon and Rick Hendrick, and um, you know, just 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 a big old nasty uh, black flag to Chase Elliott because I just don't like him. I mean, I guess that's my black flag. All righty, all righty. I, I like I like it.
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, I I don't have some some awesome like little planned out black flag like I did last week. I mean, you know, it's, it's probably the best black flag of the year. Come last week when I told Joe Gibbs off, right, uh, for allowing yeah. uh, uh, Kyle Bush to even attempt to go somewhere else. You know, so I mean, yeah, that one was elaborate. It was well thought out. This one, not so much. But at the same time, we all know I just like Chase Elliott. So why not just use my black flag to throw some dirt at somebody who seems to poke their bottom lip out every time they don't get their way? Um, It sounds a lot like uh, an announcer, I know. Uh, It's me. But I got another announcer on the line over here. Uh, We're going to bring Hoosman on for a couple of minutes. Uh, we, we were uh, about to close out the show, Hoosman, because we thought you were—we uh, we thought you had skipped out on us. But uh, I just wanted to get a little race report from you uh, for this past weekend. Obviously, you can tell that I'm uh, still straining in my voice. I believe a 12-hour day from on Saturday probably is the culprit to the reason why I'm having to strain to talk uh, on the show here tonight. Uh, but, uh, you got some pretty good interviews and you, you mingled kind of with the drivers and all, Michael, uh, tell us about your weekend here at the, uh, you would think that that like, that would be what I would do. Right. But no, 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 no. I I keep my dirt life and my, uh, my NASCAR life. I keep those two completely separated. I I very rarely come on and talk much about dirt racing or anything that I'm involved in at the track, but, but this will give you a great opportunity. And, and Taz, meet my good friend, Michael Hoosman who I met many years ago. He was a greenhorn. He just needed somebody uh, to give him the time of day and let him sit around and kind of learn some things. And uh, well, Taz, he got to learn from the best, kind of like you do. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Michael Hoosman. Is that Michael Hoosman? Uh, is that Ms. Lee? Who is that? Three.
0: Yeah, Chris, can you uh, hear me?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, hit, hit,
0: turn off the mute button, buddy. No, I, I don't think my headphones were working, actually, but uh, I thank oh. you so much. <laughs> I, I appreciate the invite. I know I was supposed to be on a little earlier, but uh, the good Lord called. I had to answer him first. So the Street, Stock Nationals, uh, uh, the Street Stock Nationals, yeah, you said a 12-hour day. I think it was a little longer than that, but... Uh, as you put up, uh, we made it through it. it was a blast, and so many things you could talk about. the full of victory, some of these guys that have made it in for the first time, uh, Russ Gabbard to see his interviews. He apologized for yelling at me as he qualified through his B main. I was like, "Dude, that is why I'm down here in the uh, pit area to do these interviews, to see that kind of emotion. You know, some of these guys, they get to do interviews, they get." You know, first place, second place, week in and week out. To see somebody that thrilled just to make the show, I absolutely loved it. Yeah,
1: uh, elaborate a little bit more on what all uh, happened this weekend and how, what what was your job and uh, how it kind of uh, how we started out. It was I, I, I described it as like a novel, right? Uh, so. Um, it, we had a story to tell this weekend it was it was more than a race like this was a this is a life changer for so many of these guys to be able to make the race or to be able to win the race possibly take on the trophy um and as the as the weekend went on we kind of got to see that you know we could we picked a few favorites like coming into it and sure enough the way that the the story was written uh, I believe we kind of knew who were the favorites here and and those those two guys uh kept the uh, wins local like both of those drivers were local drivers uh, at the racetrack so uh that, that that's I feel like with when you're racing a hundred and uh, two hundred and ten two hundred and i guess eight different competitors and the two guys that win are local track local track drivers that that says a lot. Right,
0: Michael? It does, and you're right. There are so many stories, and that's why you mentioned what I'm doing, working for the Ultimate Street Stock Challenge Series as well as the Mississippi Street Stock Series, doing these interviews in the pit areas as well as post-race as they come off the track of following these races. Sometimes it's the thrill of victory. Some of it's the the, uh, agony of defeat, if you will. But even at 2 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock, whatever time it was we wrapped up, These guys that it was the non-qualifier that was their last chance, they were happy to have made it there, enjoyed the weekend, still working on their car, still racing. We went through, what, a three-hour rain delay? You know, these guys, some of them, there were some up in the home, but these guys were still out there racing their hearts out. Uh, You know, and you heard it from several drivers. I learned for next year. I'm going to be back next year. And and you're right, this is a life-changing event, a game-changer, just to make it in. Uh, run top top 10 uh just in one class alone you're talking a hundred and some cars from across the southeast and that's not limited to that but that's the general i know we had a couple from indiana several from kentucky but a hundred and some competitors and you're talking the top 30 top third that even get to race in that main event so yeah bringing those stories like, like that from the infield i thoroughly love to do i know uh you've asked me to, to sit up there in the booth with you and maybe we <laughs> wouldn't neither one of us have as rough a voice to split up the duties, but there's stories to be told from the infield too. Uh the minors. I know they're ones that worked through a lot of stuff this weekend, them minor boys. Uh, so many of them that you can't even possibly cover it all.
1: Right. Right.
0: Um, so, um,
1: Michael, uh, Chad Thrash, Project X, Story of the Weekend, all three cars, uh, well, three of the house cars wound up in the uh, top three there at the finish. I said over the microphone, the shop's going to be real busy come Monday morning. Out of all the shop builders and all the car builders there, how significant was that for for Project X to basically have swept – uh, the, the
0: top three positions. It's really huge. And I know Chad Thrash said it in his interview, uh, and I've, I believe him. I know some fans might not. He'd have been okay with any one of those three winning in that order um, because he's proud of what they have built. And he is one that has said it before. He said, my, my notebook, when he started Project X, his car, out there winning, he said, my notebook is open. If I got information, I'm going to share it. And I asked him that in victory lane. I said, did you share too much? And he said, well, I obviously shared it because we got the top three. And he said it, even if he'd have been the third and Shelby Sheedy or TJ Herndon uh, in front of him. And trust me, TJ was right there, I mean, knocking on his door, his bumper, uh, everything he could. Um, I think uh, TJ, I know, led lap 25. I don't know if he ever led another lap technically, but it wasn't by more than a car length each and every lap. So, clearly, Chad is giving back everything he can to the sport to make everybody, especially the cars that he's worked on, as competitive as him so we can have great racing like we did. So,
1: T.J. Herndon is really considered uh, a part-time driver. I believe that uh, he he, he has a lot of full-time experience uh, racing, but now he's, he's down to a limited schedule. How significant was that for him to run second place uh, in a year that he's not really running very much?
0: Well, he, uh, I think he's still running quite a bit, but he runs a lot of different classes and a lot of different rules. I know in Arkansas, he runs the uh, outlaw classes. He's run several different cars. He uh, has occasionally run the N1 of Dale Nelson. I know he is not running um, for any series or track champions, uh, like he has in years past, so yeah, he is a little more selective. Uh, he's one that ran up at Bristol, um, I think uh, two classes maybe. Maybe last year was when he had the modified up there, but um, so yeah, he isn't uh, isn't like I said running for a series points or track points, but more uh, selective racing. And we've seen other drivers do this. Billy Moyer uh, comes to mind. You know, races when he wants, where he wants, if you will, rather than a particular series that they're calling beckoning. And TJ is one, I know he, even after, uh, after winning, he's not the most talkative after the kind of defeat. He has had for, I'd say, three years, certainly a car in the mix, there to win, and just come up short. I know the uh, picture I think Scott Oglesby had up, showed it as, I mean, half a car length, maybe a car length. And that's how it was for 50 laps. Right.
1: Well, and we have to remember, he got very lucky there. He spun the car out as a caution uh, was being thrown for his spin up in turn two. That would have changed the whole complexity of the race had that caution not already been occurring up in turn two, where TJ uh, seemed to have just overdrove the corner and whipped it around. Uh, Shelby Sheedy, my goodness gracious. Like I remember this guy when he was in many stocks, when he was in, uh, 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 you know, a little four cylinder class up at the mag, all of a sudden here he is with a podium finish in one of the biggest races of his entire career in a brand new race car. Tell us a little bit about that interview.
0: Well, and, and that's great. And Shelby Sheedy is a friend of mine and he was, uh, making his own car, I don't remember what chassis it was. Really good. He sold it off. He didn't use the word retirement. I used the word retirement. I've given him a hard time. But he sold out his equipment, was focusing on the go-karting and and stuff. And then he shows up in uh, Randy Cummings SS1 and starts winning races. And then, yeah, uh, you mentioned it. uh, Cummings had a Project X car built uh, for him. I don't know if it was specifically just for this race or, uh, you know, but, um, and wanted Shelby in that car, so Shelby agreed to do that. I know the SS1 car, uh, Hunter McIntyre, had a little bit of a rough weekend, but uh, was certainly competitive down there. Again, you're talking hundred and some cars uh, to, to get noticed. You got to be in that top thirty, which is tough. So, but Shelby Sheedy came through. Uh, was in the top six. He was my pre-race pick. I mean, honestly. I kind of picked him as a favorite, as a friend. I knew he had a a competitive car, but you're talking so many tough competition. Uh, The Kenny Morgan machines, all three of his number nines were in the top ten. I don't remember. I think they finished fourth, fifth, and seventh or something like that. His cars were all lined up at one point, second through
1: fifth. Corey Neal Jr., unfortunately, I think he finished like 13th uh, because uh, I think with like two laps to go. Uh, something happened, but yeah, all 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 of the nines were very very strong, including uh, a great performance by by Oakley Johns, uh, I believe. Uh, 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 Trey Bright. Was Trey the Bright. Nine. Trey Bright. There you go. And uh, the Florida driver, um, evident Lloyd, uh, they call the Professor. Uh, we've heard a lot of a lot of talk about the Florida drivers and how strong they were, um, and we've seen in the past how strong they could be. This weekend, it was about our local drivers. We'll jump over to factory stock side real quick. I don't think uh, as many people were surprised that John Johnson uh, won. Um, Coming off of, you know, the whole scandal, the the shock scandal, and then the refusal to tear down. Um, Is this retribution, right? I mean, like he comes out and he still half-tracks everybody. Like, what What was the pits like with John Johnson Jr. as he celebrated a Southern Street Stock Nationals win in the factory stock division? Factory Stock Pier Street Challenge.
0: This one's uh, tough to talk about. I'm friends with uh, multiple drivers in the pit area. There was an incident there. Uh, one of the better cars um, ended up in the wall. I would have liked to have seen it come down between those two on the track and racing it out. Um, but John Johnson Jr. Are you about McCree? Uh, have have a, are yeah, you Justin McCree? McCree.
1: Yeah. So like McCree, he did he did what McCree always does. He he goes he starts in the back. He's somehow at the, near the end of the race, he's running up front. He has a chance to win it, and then he knocks the wall down. That's I mean, J- Justin McCree is either going to win the race. He's going to be the fastest and most spectacular driver on the racetrack or he's going to knock the wall down. This time it was he knocked the wall down. But go ahead. Uh,
0: okay, Chris, you're looking at it from the uh, booth side, and this is what I love about racing. You're up in the booth. You see it from that side. I'm in the pit area. I saw it from the other side. Uh, I think somebody came up into him, but, you know, it looks different from different viewpoints. Uh, I'll just say that. I, I understand that. I let, it, I let it go on the previous uh, one. DJ I, I I didn't be, spin I his
1: I try to be less controversial. Uh, Uh, When you put me in the spur of the moment, I say things that I probably shouldn't say, but when you give me a chance to gather my thoughts, uh, I've always said, and and I'm going to make this very clear, Michael, I can get on here and talk about drivers who make a million dollars all day long, and I can bash them and call them whatever names, give them black flags because I don't like them and all this other stuff, but I have a very, very, very hard time calling a call or making... Uh, an assumption on somebody that uh, that that puts their whole life into uh, you know eighty hours a week at work and eighty hours a week in the garage. So uh, my 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 perspective of things is very well calculated. It's really to stay out of the stirship pot. So. Um, uh, I understand, I understand
0: that. <laughs> no, and I understand that. I know earlier in the street stock, you talked about TJ uh, spinning out. I think uh, he got spun out on that one too, and that was from my viewpoint in the infield. Like I said, of right. somebody sitting up top might have saw a little different. Um, right. TJ was able to get his spot back though and still finish second. So, with that though, you can't take away from John Johnson. He's been in multiple different cars and won with it. He's been in multiple different tracks and won. So it is not a matter of that car or that track, okay? So he has proved that. So, I, you know, I, I don't want to take anything away from that. I would have liked to have seen a little bit cleaner finish um, between the top cars. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Um,
2: right.
0: And you're right uh, yeah. with, with Justin McCree. He has won as with a couple others that, that I've seen, definitely overdrive the car at, at times. Um, so I love he's it. got that reputation. I'm going to put that on a and show for you. Man, I was so pissed he didn't finish up in the street stock. He didn't even have time to work on that car because um, he had wore it out, as you said, started in the back, was up to fifth, um, and had some things yeah. go wrong where he didn't qualify in. He would have had to run a B-Main. I saw it on the trailer. He said he just didn't get the chance to even work on it to get it into a B main or the last chance, which he would have been qualified for. And that's one I would right. have loved to have seen come through the field or wherever he started. Because you're right, he puts on a show by himself. Now,
1: I'm having a tough time remembering who the second and third place finishers were in the factory stage. With so many storylines, so many – things going on. Who uh re- refresh the memory, who who did who did finish second and third in the factory uh, start Street challenge?
0: Don't lock the don't lock this in on tape, but I believe it was second of Bo Slay in the fifty one and then third mm-hmm. should have been Jeremy Fleury in the zero Scott oh, look yeah, lookalike car zero, if I remember correctly. Yes
1: yes, that, that's correct.
0: Did you get the interview from the fight in the pit? Uh, That is not something I cover. Um, And you say the fight. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was more than one throughout the weekend. Some of them not amongst drivers. Some of them were between fans or uh, I know not between you and I, I've seen announcers fight before I've seen track photographers fight before. I personally, that's not my thing to cover. Um, I have actually been on video and walked away from things like that. Like you said, that's, that's not what I want to see promoted and advertised, um, the, the stirring the pot, as you called it. Uh, there is one, I, I mean, I literally, I was going up to talk to somebody, the fight started. I turned and walked away, and all, all the people on there are like, hey, cover it. I'm like, it's just not my thing. you know. I, right. That's not what right. I want to do um, and how I want to bring the sport. There was Uh, about 100
1: other people in the pits with cell phones that will completely disagree with what you said is uh, mainly the topic of the race weekend has been, uh, uh, what is it? What is that stuff called? Twisted tea. (laughs) Somebody got twisted teed
0: in the pit. Okay. Is that what uh, it was? I heard it was a beer. I heard (laughs) it was a beer can, but it might've been (laughs) the twisted tea. It was
1: Michelob. Michelob. And let me tell you something. For uh, it, this is this is what I believe for the weekend. Okay, like I was completely disappointed that somebody would go as far as to throw a beer can out onto the racetrack. But kudos to the team and to the man for standing up and taking the ass whooping that he deserved, because that was about the dumbest thing I've ever seen at a racetrack. It was very disappointing. It was very unclassy. It was not. It was not how I wanted the weekend to be remembered by. But at least the guy didn't get in his car and drive away, right? At least they took it even if it was a fight in the pits, at least it was man to man, at least it was mono to mono. at least the, the, at least for once in this world that's been uh, uh, the, the man has been shunned, at least for that moment, we had a man and a man who was willing to uh, come to come to their differences and, and not not chicken out and I, and I give that. And kudos to the man who allowed it to happen. I'm not going to say any other, any other thing about it, but uh, definitely uh, it was a weekend of very many different storylines. Obviously, I believe the storyline of the night was Rodney Wayne uh, and, and the fans. Like, how many times have you seen fans when the moment it starts to rain, they get in their cars and they leave? I couldn't count probably 10 cars that left that speedway in three hours when we waited out a rain delay. And let me tell you something. Anybody that's listening that wasn't there, it rained up until 30 minutes before we went back racing. Like, literally, it stopped raining. Rodney Wing got out there and cut the track down. Even while it was still sprinkling, they brought in four hundred four wheelers and rolled the track in as it was being tore down. Within 45 minutes of the last raindrop, we were back green flag racing.
0: And it came out phenomenal. Uh, I don't know if it was back to the three and four wide racing we saw the night before, but you're right. Big shout out, Rodney Wing. I know Tim Dees. I don't know any of the other names of that track uh, staff, but they did do a phenomenal job. And you mentioned it, the, the pit crews and ones in the pits. Have their side by sides and four wheelers. They got an opportunity of a lifetime as they got out and filled that track. I know what really helped roll it in, as, as you said, the graders working the lane, moving the uh, the dirt down, and they're packing the high side. When he got done, they packed the low side. Um, big shout out to the entire place for making that event happen. And you mentioned the crowd staying during the rain. Uh, there was still a good amount of fans in the stands as a factory stock and street stock non qualifiers, you know, and that was at, yes. like I said, two, three, four o'clock in the morning. I think I got back to the hotel about four fifteen. Yeah, it was
1: it was pushing three o'clock when we when we left the speedway. Um, as a matter of fact, most of our fans were still intact at the conclusion. Of the main event on in the factory stock at the end of the factory stock race, we we seen a very large part of the crowd leave. Of course, that was the end of the the main events. But to keep those those fans there and intrigued for that long, um, I literally watched people sitting in the rain for three hours. Like like sitting, refusing to leave their seats. They sat there in the rain for three hours, and that just tells you the type of event that you're attending and, and, you know, it's, it's really awesome that, uh, that the crowd bought into the fact that, Hey, we're going to get this race in here tonight. You know, this is a story that is yet to be finished and it's going to, it's going to get done here tonight. Just wait and see. Michael Hoosman, I appreciate you coming on. Tell us a little bit about where we can find you at and and what all you you, you do. And, uh, I believe you got a couple of radio shows and stuff that you do as well, right?
0: One one thing here I wanna build on what you said. That is why you and I we talked about being at the track for fourteen, fifteen hours. That's why we put that effort in because it is for those fans and they and they stood by it like you said, in the rain, um, at the end of the night, two AM, um, three AM that there's still fans there. That's why you and I are willing to do that twelve, fifteen hours at a track, not be able to talk or walk on Monday, uh, you know, depending on your job. Right. But um yeah, let's see, uh, talking about me, oh, wow, um, I'd have to check my notebook, i got to check where I'm going. Now, I do work with uh, Fan for Racing Blog and Radio, Chris, I know you started out there uh, many years back with Sharon, and that's how we kind of crossed paths was through, through her as well, and then me being able to go down to uh, Why Not Motorsports Park, um, Mondays and Thursdays, the NASCAR race review on Monday, and the preview, which I co-host with her on Thursdays, And then dirt tracks, man, you never know. Uh, I know this week, uh, fan appreciation night at Jackson Motor Speedway, your capital city raceway, you can get in for a dollar. Again, that's showing the fans that we appreciate them and they are what make it happen. Their fan appreciation night costs you a dollar to get in. And then coming up in September, talk about the ultimate street stock challenge series. Going up to Western Kentucky with them. Uh, that'll be my first time out that far north uh, with them. New track for me. I always love visiting new tracks, meeting new people, uh, which I've got to do with them in the Carolinas, Georgia, and now Kentucky. And then uh, I don't know if the ring has got anything coming up. I know the Mississippi Street Stock Series, they're going to be... I want to say Deep South Speedway. I'm not 100% sure on that. I know they got a race coming up on Labor Day weekend. For
1: a three-day show, I believe. Uh, Practice on Thursday, uh, qualifying on Friday, and then racing on Saturday
0: if if, if I've got the dates correct. Yep, and that will be Labor Day weekend. I unfortunately will not be a part of that um, because, again, through, as, as you've talked about, just the opportunities of people you meet, I'm going to be working a county fair up in uh, Tennessee. One of the drivers that's from Tennessee I've covered. Dad's on the fair board. They've talked to me. I've done that for a couple of years. Uh, County fair motorsports event. Uh, Jump and run. Uh, Unbelievable. I'd never heard of it. Front wheel drive cars, and they put them out on what's like a super cross track. You know, the bumps and the the platforms and and go side by side and have a battle. Uh, It's something spectacular. And then some dirt bike racing, which is a whole nother world i I think I told you that after last year calling a motocross event uh, i felt so lost. <laughs> it's a different world
1: <laughs> right preserved all right uh what, where where can they find your uh your your stuff at michael where on Facebook and Twitter how did we find you
0: uh yeah. Um, you can follow on social media for me, Michael Hoosman on Facebook, Mopar MJ eight on Twitter and Instagram. And then the videos all originate, um, the interviews and stuff from the two series, the Mississippi street stock series presented by strength, roofing and siding, as well as the ultimate street stock challenge, um, by statement race cars on Facebook. And I know the ultimate has their own separate website, which is linked from the Facebook page.
1: All right. Well, one last question, and this is going to kind of put you on the spot. What was your favorite moment of the race this past weekend?
0: Oh, overall, uh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, again, friend, Shelby Sheedy getting a third-place finish. But also I mentioned Russ Gabbert. I mean, one of those you, you talk about. I believe he was there by himself. I never saw a crewman around his car. Um, I think this was his second or third year trying to get in, and he made it. Um, had some problems throughout the weekend, you know, and had to work on. But those two are kind of tied. I mean, to see the effort of somebody that just gets in and then somebody, as you mentioned, been racing forever and finally getting into the top five, the top podium finish like that for Shelby Sheedy. So those two are kind of a tie. And there are so many other stories um, of ones like that. Those are just the ones I happen to get be fortunate enough to cover.
1: All right, Michael Hoosman. I can't
0: wait. Oh, wait, wait, wait. He, uh, Chris, you, Chris, I, yeah. Yeah. Chris, I blew it. I blew it. My bad. My favorite part of the weekend was getting to hang out and talk to you.
1: Ah, come on. (laughs) That's that's mighty white of you, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we definitely had a good weekend, man. Tiresome, oh my gosh, I don't know about you, but... I was dead tired come Sunday. I had to rest all the way through Monday. So I'm just getting too old for this crap. Uh, I, I don't see how Ross. I don't see how, how I, I, who can keep up with that guy. He does more races and more events every year than I do, and I swear he he, he can uh, he, he can get around better than I do. That's for sure. At twice the age.
0: I did. Uh, I did get to. Uh, he he actually was down there in the pit area waiting to do inter- interviews for Crate Racing USA TV and. Yeah, he was in the tech shed with us during the rain delay. Another one, just to get and sit and talk with and learn from. Um, You mentioned it, the experience uh, that he has. I know he doesn't even do as much as he used to. um, But to be be able to come down and be a part of it this weekend, uh, okay, you know, it's one of those, you mentioned, resting on Monday. I'm still trying to get caught up, and it's still Tuesday, but can't wait till next year. I mean, you hear it from the drivers uh, whether they were the winners or the ones that just missed the show, they said we'll be back next year.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's the story. Uh everybody lines up to get their I survived another street Stocks Southern Street Stock Nationals event t-shirt. I, I swear I'm going to coin that one and uh look for t-shirts to be sold next year the I survived 2023 cuz uh, it's definitely uh every year it's been it's, it's been the same storyline Survival and uh, Attrition and you know Chad Thrash this year he didn't go Out there and he didn't he didn't get fast Time he didn't win all of his He didn't win every race that he ran Ran in but it, when it comes time For the important uh, uh For That come down to the most important time He was there and I think like you said he won he, I think he led uh, 49 out of 50 laps so um, definitely uh, it was Project X and their accolades that uh, have to be celebrated. It is 9 o'clock, Michael. It is time for us to close out the show. Taz, Taylor, you got anything for for Michael Hoosman? Um, I don't necessarily think so. I think
2: you kind of nailed that interview all on your own there, buddy.
1: Yeah, yeah, my bad, Taz. So, Taz has been hanging out over here for the last 30 minutes listening to me talk. Man, he's he's great, man. I, I love that guy. But, uh, Michael Hussman, we appreciate you coming on. we got to get you on again sometime down the road. Uh, we look forward to, uh, you know, uh, bringing you on and uh, uh, more often and stuff. But uh, thanks for all that you do and hope that you had a great weekend. It was great working next to you as well. Uh, Taz, you want to close it out, my friend?
2: Sure thing. You can thank you for listening along to Race Chat live tonight here on Blog Talk Radio. If you miss us at live at any point on Tuesday nights, be sure to check us out on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Freaker, Feed, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Geosaving Podcast, Addict, Teaser, Pod Chaser, YouTube, of course Blog Talk Radio and Podpage dot com. You can listen to our show as of anytime tomorrow morning or any of our past shows we've done earlier throughout the year thank you to our sponsors to make the 110 nation uh roll around to do what we love to do each and every week phoenix fitness bears bullish market Talk group in carolina sports plus We'll see you, everyone, at the same bat time, same bat place, next Tuesday night on Race Chat Live. We'll have a guest and also our first uh, roundtable discussion for the playoffs as we'll try, try to break down who we believe will be the 12 to move on out of the round of 16. So we'll be discussing that. Uh, make sure you tune in for that. So without further ado, we'll see you next. We'll talk to y'all next Tuesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central here on Block Talk Radio. This is Ben, the Caution Flag Radio. Chris Creighton, the DJ Music Man. Craig Moore. We'll hopefully have him next week. I'm the Tasmanian Double Flaggers, Taz Taylor, saying Good Night. This has been Race Chat Live.
1: So long, my friends. Just a good old- Never meaning no harm Be all you never saw Been in trouble with the law Since the day they was born Straightening
0: the curve Blanding the hill Someday the mountain might get them But the law
1: never will They're Making their way Just a little bit
0: more than the normal life. Just a good old boy. Wouldn't change if they could. Fighting the system like a 2 modern-day
1: Robin Hood. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's office.